Good morning, Oops. everyone, and welcome. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. Or if you also have the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also on that web page, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day, sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing our reading of Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, with Section 5, Seeking and Finding. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 128. The world I see has nothing that I want. Mm-hmm. And by way of opening this morning, oh, I'd just love to share this poem from Rumi. Uh, in the Book of Love, Poems of Ecstasy and Longing, this poem is called Ignorance. It goes like this. I didn't know love would make me like this, crazy with my eyes like the river, carrying me in the rapids out to sea where every bit of shattered boat sinks to the bottom. An alligator lifts its head and swallows the ocean. Then the ocean floor becomes a desert, covering the alligator in sand drifts. Changes do happen. I do not know how or what remains of what has disappeared into the absolute. I hear so many stories and explanations, but I keep quiet because I don't know anything. And because something I've swallowed in the ocean has made me completely content with ignorance. Hmm. I didn't know love would make me like this. Amen. Wow, beautiful. Thank you. It's your work, Thank Lori. You. Uh, Thank thanks, you. you, guys. I really love that poem. Alrighty, my friends, here's our reading list so far. We have Fran, Lemoyne, Harrison, Lana, Karen, and Donna, and Seema has joined us this morning listening. Who else is on the call that we haven't heard from like to say good morning or be on the reading list. Good morning. Jessica's here and I'd love to read. Thanks, Jessica. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Jessica. Hey. Good morning. It's Robin Marie and I'm late, so I'll just be listening. Okay. Good morning. Uh Lori, something's wrong with my Kindle yes, and I don't have a book right now. So I think I might have to listen oh. until I can get it working back. Okay, honey. Sorry. We'll see we'll see where you're at at the top of the hour. Okay. okay. Yeah, thank you. All right. The rest of us will think about um leaving our reflection this morning should the need arise, okay? Right. Thank you. Alrighty. Uh-huh. Okay. So to begin this section it seemed uh, really appropriate to go back to paragraph thirty five 
So I'll read paragraph 35 and then call for a new reader to begin our next section, okay? In chapter 11, God's plan for salvation. Beginning at paragraph 35. You have defiled the altar, but not the world. Yet Christ has placed the atonement on the altar for you. Bring your perceptions of the world to this altar, for it is the altar to truth. There you will see your vision changed, and there you will learn to see truly. From this place, where God and his Son dwell in peace, and where you are welcome, you will look out in peace and behold the world truly. Yet to find this place, you must relinquish your investment in the world as you have projected it, allowing the Holy Spirit to project the real world to you from the altar of God. And so, Fran, would you like to read that paragraph, please, and then begin with the new section in paragraph 36. And Lori. Yes. I, I'm sorry, I just missed what she said. But I think Fran just said she... Oh, her whole book is gone. Okay, okay. Yeah, I got it I got it working. Yeah. I can do it. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you, Lemoy. But I just got it working. I can't believe it, but I did. <laughs> Excellent. All right. And that was paragraph thirty five, right? Thirty five and thirty six, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have defiled the altar but not the world. Yet Christ has placed the atonement on the altar for you. Bring your perceptions of the world to this altar for it is the altar to truth. There you will see your vision change, and there you will learn to see truly. From this place, where God and his Son dwell in peace, and where you are welcome, you will look out in peace and behold the world truly. Yet to find the place, you must relinquish your investment in the world as you have projected it, allowing the Holy Spirit to project the real world to you from the altar of God. Section 5, Seeking and Finding. 36. The ego is certain that love is dangerous, and this is always its central teaching. It never puts it this way. On the contrary, everyone who believes that the ego is salvation is intensely engaged in the search for love. Yet the ego, though encouraging the search very actively, makes one proviso. Do not find. It dictates them, can be summed up simply as this, quote, seek and do not find, unquote. This is the one promise the ego holds out to you and the one promise it will keep. For the ego pursues its goal with fanatic insistence and its reality, and its reality testing, though severely impaired, is completely consistent. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne. Okay, Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation. Section 5, Seeking and Finding. The ego is certain that love is dangerous, and this is always its central teaching. It never puts it this way. On the contrary, 
everyone who believes that the ego is salvation is intensely engaged in the search for love. Yet the ego, though encouraging the search very actively, makes one proviso. Do not find it. Its dictates, then, can be summed up simply as seek and do not find. This is the one promise the ego holds out to you and the one promise it will keep. For the ego pursues its goal with fanatic insistence and its reality testing, though severely impaired, is completely consistent. The search which the ego undertakes is therefore bound to be defeated. And since it also teaches that it is your identification, its guidance leads you to a journey which must, which must end in perceived self-defeat. For the ego cannot love, and in its frantic search for love, it is seeking what it is afraid to find. The search is inevitable because the ego is part of your mind. And because of its source, the ego is not wholly split off, or it could not be believed at all. For it is your mind that believes in it and gives existence to it. Yet it is also your mind that has the power to deny the ego's existence. And you will surely do so when you realize exactly what the journey is on which the ego Thank you, Lemoyne and Harrison. Thirty-seven. <clears throat> the search which the ego undertakes is therefore bound to be defeated, since. And since it also teaches that it is your identification, its guidance leads you to a journey which must end in perceived self-defeat. For the ego cannot love, and in its frantic search for love, it is seeking what it is afraid to find. The search is inevitable because the ego is part of your mind. And because of its source, the ego is not wholly split off or it could not be believed at all. For it is your mind that believes in it and gives existence to it. Yet it is also your mind that has the power to deny the ego's existence. And you will surely do so when you realize exactly what the journey is on which the ego sets you. 38. 
it is surely obvious that no one wants to find what would utterly defeat him. Being unable to love, the ego would be totally inadequate in love's presence, for it could not respond at all. You would have to abandon the ego's guidance, for it would be quite apparent that it has not taught you the response pattern you need. The ego would therefore distort love and teach you that love calls forth the responses which the ego can teach. Follow its teaching then and you will search for love but will not recognize it. Thank you, Harrison and Lena. Okay, 38. It is surely obvious that no one wants to find what would utterly defeat him. Being unable to love, the ego would be totally inadequate in love's presence, for it could not respond at all. You would have to abandon the ego's guidance, for it would be quite apparent that it had not taught you the response pattern you need. The ego will therefore distort love and teach you that love calls forth the responses which the ego can teach. Follow its teaching then, and you will search for love, but will not recognize it. 39. Do you realize that the ego must set you on a journey which cannot but lead to a sense of futility and depression? To seek and not, and not to find is hardly joyous. Is this the promise you would keep? The Holy Spirit offers you another promise and one that will lead to joy. For his promise is always, in quote, seek and you will find, unquote. And under his guidance, you cannot be defeated. His is the journey to accomplishment and the goal he sets before you, he will give you. For he will never deceive God's Son, whom he loves with the love of the Father. Thank you, Lana. And Karen. 39. Do you realize that the ego must set you on a journey which cannot but lead to a sense of futility and depression? To seek and not to find is hardly joyous. In this, the promise, is this the promise you would keep? The Holy Spirit offers you another promise and one that will lead to joy. For his promise is always, quote, seek and you will find, unquote, 
And under his guidance, you cannot be defeated. His is the journey to accomplishment. And the goal he sets before you, he will give you. For he will never deceive God's son, whom he loves with the love of the Father. 40. You will undertake a journey because you are not at home in this world. And you will search for your home, whether you know where it is or not. If you believe it is outside yourself, the search will be futile, for you will be seeking it where it is not. You do not know how to look within yourself, for you do not believe your home is there. Yet the Holy Spirit knows it for you, and he will guide you to your home, because that is his mission. He fulfills his mission. He will teach you yours, for your mission is the same as his. By guiding your brother's home, you are but following him. Thank you, Karen. And Donna. Forty. You will undertake a journey because you are not at home in this world. And you will search for your home whether you know where it is or not. If you believe it is outside yourself, the search will be futile. For you will be seeking it where it is not. You do not know how to look within yourselves, yourself. For you do not believe Your home is there, yet the Holy Spirit knows it for you, and he will guide you to your home because that is his mission, and he fulfills his mission. He will teach you yours, for your mission is the same as his, by guiding your brother's home. You are but following him. 41. Behold the guide your father gave you, that you might learn you have eternal life. For death is not your father's will nor yours, and whatever is true is the will of the father. You pay no price for life, for that was given you, but you do pay a price for death and a very heavy one. If death is your treasure, and if your death is your treasure, you will sell everything else to purchase it. And you will believe that you have purchased it because you have sold everything else. You cannot sell the kingdom of heaven. Your inheritance can neither be bought nor sold. There can be no disinherited parts of the sonship. For God is whole, and all his extensions are like him. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Thanks, Lori. 
41. Behold the guide that you might learn you have eternal life. For death is not your father's will nor yours. And whatever is true is the will of the father. You pay no price for life for that was given you. But you do pay a price for death and a very heavy one. If death is your treasure, you will sell everything else to purchase it. And you will believe that you have purchased it because you have sold everything else. Yet you cannot sell the kingdom of heaven. Your inheritance can neither be bought nor sold. There can be no disinherited parts of the sonship. For God is whole, and all his extensions are like him. 42. The atonement was not the price of our wholeness, but it was the price of your awareness of your wholeness. For what you chose to, quote, sell has to be kept for you, since you could not, quote, buy it back. Yet you must invest in it, not with money, but with your spirit. For spirit is will, and will is the, quote, price of the kingdom. Your inheritance awaits only the recognition that you have been redeemed. The Holy Spirit guides you into life eternal, but you must relinquish your investment in death or you will not see life through it. Or you will not see life through it is all around you. Oh, I'm sorry. Or you will not see life though it is all around you. (laughs) Thank you, Jessica. And would there be a new reader then for paragraph 42? Anyone who hasn't read like to read paragraph 42? Okay, back to you, Fran. 42. The atonement was not the price of our wholeness, but it was the price of your awareness of your wholeness. For what you chose to quote-unquote sell had to be kept for you since you could not, quote, unquote, buy it back. Yet you must invest in it, not with money, but with your spirit. For spirit is will, and will is the, quote, unquote, price of the kingdom. Your inheritance awaits only the recognition that you have been redeemed. The Holy Spirit guides you into life eternal, but you must relinquish your investment in death or you will not see life, though it is all around you. Amen. (coughs) What a beautiful section, huh? Oh, definitely. You know what? Uh, we have enough readers and enough time. 
uh, rather than me trying to summarize, which would involve almost reading the entire thing. How would it be if we each read a paragraph through once again? Um, does that sound all right? Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Okay. Okay. So we'll start at the top of the list. And Fran, you just read, so um, one, two, three, four, five, six. One, three, four, five, six. Maybe we'll get one more reader to... Oh, yes, we have exactly the right number of readers, I think. So go ahead, Lemoyne, if you'd like to start seeking and finding with paragraph 36. Okay. Seeking and finding. The ego is certain that love is dangerous, and this is always its central teaching. It never puts it this way. On the contrary, everyone who believes that the ego is salvation is, is intensely engaged in the search for love. Yet the ego, though encouraging the search very actively, makes one proviso. Do not find it. Its dictates, then, can be summed up simply as seek and do not find. This is the one promise the ego holds out to you and the one promise it will keep. For the ego pursues its goal with fanatic insistence and its reality testing, so severely impaired, is completely consistent. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Harrison? The search which the ego undertakes is therefore bound to be defeated. And since it also teaches that it is your identification, its guidance leads you to a journey which must end in perceived self-defeat. For the ego cannot love, and in its frantic search for love, it is seeking what it is afraid to find. The search is inevitable because the ego is part of your mind. And because of its source, the ego is not wholly split off or it could not be believed at all. For it is your mind that believes in it and gives existence to it. Yet, it is also your mind that has the power to deny the ego's existence. And you will surely do so when you realize exactly what the journey is on which the ego sets you. Thank you, Harrison. And Lana. 38. 
It is surely obvious that no one wants to find what would utterly defeat him. Being unable to love, the ego would be totally inadequate in love's presence, for it could not respond at all. You would have to abandon the ego's guidance, for it would be quite apparent that it had not taught you the response pattern you need. The ego will therefore distort love and teach you that love calls forth the responses which the ego can teach. Following it, follow its teaching, then, and you will search for love, but will not recognize it. Thank you, Lana. And Karen. 39. Do you realize that the ego must set you on a journey which cannot but lead to a sense of futility and depression? (laughs) To seek and not to find is hardly joyous. Is this the promise you would keep? The Holy Spirit offers you another promise, and under his guidance, you cannot be defeated. His is the journey to accomplishment, and the goal he sets before you, he will give you. For he will never decide God's he will never deceive God's son, whom he loves with the love of the Father. Thank you, Karen and Donna. 40. You will undertake a journey because you are not at home in this world. And you will search for your home whether you know where it is or not. If you believe it is outside yourself, the search will be futile. For you will be seeking it where it is not. You do not know how to look within yourself. For you do not believe your home is there. Yet the Holy Spirit knows it for you and he will guide you to your home because that is his mission. As he, as he fulfills his mission, he will teach you yours, for your mission is the same as his. By guiding your brothers home, you are but following him. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Behold the guide your father gave you, that you might learn you have eternal life. For death is not your father's will, nor yours. And whatever is true is the will of the father. You pay no price for life, for that was given you. But you do pay a price for death, and a very heavy one. If death is your treasure, you will sell everything else to purchase it. And you will believe that you have purchased it, because you have sold everything else. Yet you cannot sell the kingdom of heaven. Your inheritance can neither be bought nor sold. There can be no disinherited parts of the sonship, for God is whole, and all his extensions are like him.
Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, I was. And is there a new reader for 42? Here I am. I can do it. Thanks, Rosemary. You're welcome. The atonement was not the price of our wholeness, but it was the price of your awareness of your wholeness. For what you chose to sell had to be kept for you since you could not buy it back. Yet you must invest in it, not with money, but with your spirit. For spirit is will, and will is the price of the kingdom. Your inheritance awaits only the recognition that you have been redeemed. The Holy Spirit guides you into life eternal, but you must relinquish your investment in death, or you will not see life through it. There it goes. (laughs) The Holy Spirit guides you into life eternal, but you must relinquish your investment in death, or you will not see life though it is all around you. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie. And thank you, everyone who read this morning. Such a beautiful, beautiful section. And I think the floor is open for a few minutes before the top of the hour. Anything anyone want to share right off the top? Good morning, Karen. Um, I was grateful that you went back one paragraph because behold the world truly yet to find the place you must relinquish your investment in the world as you have projected it. And then the last paragraph of the today's reading says you must relinquish your investment in death. So basically it's saying that the world that I projected is the world of death. Of course, it's the world of the ego, which is false. And um, I'm just going to go a little ahead of us where we are right now is that there's nothing in the world that I value. It's the lesson. And it's because the ego world is one world and the world of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom that God wants to give me, is beyond that world, beyond this world is the world I want. The world of, of values, the world of um, the truth is beyond this world of the ego. I have to remember, I have to learn that this world that I see externally, sometimes it it is reflected in my mind internally too, or most of the time it, it is, but... Um, I can also find the true world within. But that world is a projection of what's not healed within me. It's a projection. I have to come to the place where I absolutely learn that the world externally is a world of falsehood. It's not real. There's another way to respond to it other than to think it's take it in seriously. Um, Yesterday, I went to, uh, I took a walk and talked to a neighbor, and she was saying some things which were very dark. (laughs) And I afterwards felt um, judgment toward her. 
But yesterday's lesson was, uh, let me bless you and um, see the truth. So I was feeling like, I bless you, so-and-so. I bless you, and you are my sister in Christ. It was like a reframing of the world. And I had to offer the Holy Spirit what happened because it just hit me so hard, what she said. But I had to offer it to the Holy Spirit, and I had to keep saying all day long, you know, I bless you, I bless you, you are my sister in Christ. That's the world I want. Beyond this world is the world I want. I have to relinquish this world of chaos, insanity, the valueless, uh, the world where there's no love, and I can seek for eternity and I'll never find it. have to relinquish that and go home. The real world is home. You know, and that's what we all want. I'm complete. This is oh, Donna. Beautiful, Karen. Thank it you. It was. Karen. I'm oh, sorry. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. It was beautiful. This is Donna, and I agree that paragraph opened up the door for me, and I would love, Lori, if you would consider reading it again for us. I am complete. Oh, well, who could resist that invitation? <laughs> oh, yes, I will. You have defiled the altar, but not the world. Yet Christ has placed the atonement on the altar for you. Bring your perceptions of the world to this altar, for it is the altar to truth. There you will see your vision changed, and there you will learn to see truly. From this place, where God and his Son dwell in peace and where you are welcome, you will look out in peace and behold the world truly. Yet to find the place, you must relinquish your investment in the world as you have projected it, allowing the Holy Spirit to project the real world to you from the altar of God. Yes, that's a very beautiful paragraph, and I would just invite you, uh, it's a real blessing today to look at that paragraph and then in this chapter look at paragraph 60 um, for a beautiful description of what is waiting for us at that altar to God. I'm complete. Well, thanks for that. Yes, thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. It was lovely. Thank you, Laurie. Morning. Well, this is... Oh, I'm sorry, Lana. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I had nothing okay. more. I was just going to suggest it was close to the top. Oh, well, mine's really quick. I, I just wanted to um, mention for me how important the word investment is. Um, and uh, when I think about that word, um, I think about that part of the course where, uh, where it says, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right or something like that. And, and it would all depend on my investment and the value I place in, uh, you know, with the ego 
thought system offers me uh, compared to what the truth in God offers me. And I think that's a very, for me, that's a very important distinction, and I need to be honest, you know, um, in order to bring something to the altar for healing, I have to own it, you know. I I have to accept responsibility for it and uh, relinquish it. And if I've invested, um, you know, a chunk of my my own meaning, you know, the only meaning I, I, it would show me where I've identified myself or misidentified myself because I wouldn't bring anything to the altar and relinquish it if I see value in it. Um, and it's all about, for me, uh, what do I have more faith in? Do I have more faith in um, my experience of the ego world being real? Or do I have more faith in in God and and the truth about uh, myself and the world and, and everyone? So that investment, what I have invested, um, really, uh, I think for me at least, it's an important thing to to keep in mind. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh yes, absolutely. Thank you very much, Lana. And well, that's pretty much the point of today's lesson. The world I see has nothing that I want, so that's a great segue straight into the lesson this morning. So we'll turn it over to you, Fran, uh, to lead us this morning. Lesson 128. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 128, The World I See Has Nothing That I Want. So I'll read some from the lesson, and then we'll do our five-minute practice. Okay. The world I see has nothing that I want. The world you see has nothing that you need to offer you, nothing that you can use in any way, nor anything at all that serves to give you joy. Believe this thought, and you are saved from years of misery, from countless disappointments, and from hopes that turn to bitter ashes of despair. Each thing you value here is but a chain that binds you to the world. Be you deceived no more. The world you see has nothing that you want. Escape today the change you place upon your mind when you perceive salvation here. Let nothing which relates to body thoughts delay your progress to salvation. Nothing is here to cherish. Nothing here is worth one instant of delay and pain. The worthless offer nothing. Today we practice letting go all thought of values which they have given to the world. Thus do we lift the chains which bar the door to freedom. Peace and be still a little while and see how far you rise above the world when you release your mind from chains. Give it 10 minutes rest three times today and when your eyes are open afterwards, you will not value anything you see as much as you looked at it before. Your God is sure, 
Open your mind to him. Be still and rest. Protect your mind throughout the day as well. And when you think you see some value in an aspect or an image of the world, refuse to lay this chain upon your mind and tell yourself with quiet certainty, this will not tempt me to delay myself. The world I see has nothing that I want. So we'll do a five-minute reflection now. Lesson 128. The world I see has nothing that I want.
The world you see has nothing that you need to offer you. Believe this thought, and you are saved from years of misery. Lesson 128. The world I see has nothing that I want. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you for that, friend. It's beautiful. Sure was. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. Thank you, friend. It's, uh, this is Fran again. This, I find this one um, a powerful and a difficult one because I do things like look at my little dog and things like that. And so it's, uh, it's one of the lessons that I have to do. I have to go to every time I get there to that point. Anyway, find it a little more difficult, but I love it. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. You know, that um, that points uh, to me when you say dog. <laughs> that points my mind straight to um, love because it's not the dog's beingness that establishes his value in my mind. It's the dog's love. Uh, the way I love it, the way it loves me. It's not the form of the dog, it's the content of the dog. Um, That helps me get straight on that. I'm complete. Oh, that is a good point. I am glad you said that. Thank you. This is Donna. I'm sorry. That's exactly what I saw as well. I had 107 cats. And yet, I also remember the very first cat. And when I think of that cat, uh, the love engulfs me. So, hey, go for it. Love is love. Boy, isn't that the truth, Donna? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So it's the same with family members and people that you love. It's the love. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Patricia here. Just that word want has got a lot of pages in my chapter of this new dictionary. And I remember being deeply challenged when I was in prayer and heard, okay, you're complete, Patricia, except for that word want, want, want. And then I'd hear, what are you talking about? Talking to my soul in prayer. I have lots of conversation. And it was, you know, the 
I want, 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 want. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's the lesson now. Yes, put it down, girl. And it'll keep rolling because it's in the frequency of all language. But put it down and I will teach you. I will teach you. And what I found out was, for me in the phase of learning that I am with that word, is um, was replaced with what I have. So when I put it down and I go, oh, you, you got it. You let go of that desire. You let go of the desire for wanting something to stay the same, not change, for want. And then we replaced it with what is right here. And every bit of that puppy dog and every bit of what is can be favored more deeply. And the second you want it to be different, or attach a desire to it, stop. You're in that field of want, honey. And it it eats away at what you can see. So keep letting the want down, which is uncomfortable. But what is left, this love that all there is, allows you to enjoy what is like never before. Because it's here for a second and gone. And the liquid nature of life takes over. And even the ego gets too slippery to hold on to anything. When the word want is put down every time and you step back for what is it that's already here? And it's just the second to second death and birth and death and birth. And then the last thing I hear, that word want will always be in the body of survival. So if the body wants more water or wants less pizza kind of thing, that recognize this survival mode. But stay, honey, relying on trusting in what if there are no ones. The full cup is empty with what flows here and it lets deeper, full joy of that dog because there's no, nothing more that it needs to be. So that tiny piece of what is allows the 99% mystery of the world to just fade back and fade back and fade back. So tracking that word want, I found so valuable. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you, Patricia. Oh, that was wonderful, Patricia. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning, it's Lana. Um, I love the reading and the lesson today. It, uh, it, it's you know they both had pointers for me to recognize. Uh, when whenever I decide I'm going to meditate. Uh, for a while, you know, I make that decision to, okay, I'm going to put the world aside, I'm going to put personalities aside, I'm just going to hang out or commune with God. I'm outside, so I apologize for any background noise. It's a beautiful day here. Um, you know, I, I, I make the decision to put that aside, and, and then as I close my eyes and become totally present, um, with God, I've, I've literally stepped out of time um, and space, and I'm and I'm with God. And as I sit there and start my meditation, um, you know, I notice that I exist within an atmosphere uh, that's devoid of anything that can bother me. It's a very peaceful atmosphere, and um, only I can bring to it any discord and um so you know i like to remember that i'm not in the world the world is in me i'm not in this body the body is in me you know my all of you are in me <laughs> you know it's it's my spirit is far too vast and infinite to say it's in any specific place you know so as I as I dwell in this atmosphere, I can I can see I can see how um, the ego thought system will bring into my awareness because that's all I am right now. I'm my, I'm hanging out in my awareness or an observer position. I can see how it can pile on other things in this beautiful pure. Uh, perfect and innocent awareness of who I am with God in the present moment, this absolutely pristine atmosphere of peace, I can see how the ego will just, the ego mind can just pile stuff on it uh, to the extent of first it distorts what it is. It makes things show up, that show up in my awareness to be other than they are. And um, it can actually just about block out the light. But here I am always eternally in the light. And these things are just appearances. And I like to think of everything as spiritual energy. Um, and this energy is always in motion unless I, you know, make it into something that it's not. You know, if something shows up in my awareness, that's not peaceful. If I just accept that it's there, I don't have to like it, but if I don't do battle with it, if I don't engage it, that energy will pass right out of me and I'm back to that pristine and perfect and innocent um, atmosphere 
you know, and I can put, I can, when these things happen, Jesus in this reading, you know, assures me all I need to do is bring it to the altar, bring it to the atonement. That's my part in it. You know, I don't have to fiddle around with it or fix it or try to do anything. I notice something's in my awareness that seems unlike love. That's all I have to notice. And I bring that to the altar of truth. And um, that's the thing about love. It's pure love. Truth to me is pure love. It's the only reality. And it's my litmus test for determining if something is real or not. Is it of love? And um, that will will guide me in making all of my decisions. You know, so um, I start out in my meditation in this beautiful, innocent atmosphere of love. And then that's where I want to stay. And as things show up, I can tell energetically whether it's of love or not because love will always bring with it peace and clarity and joy and certainty. It has all those beautiful things that I can identify with, and there's a harmony with it. I think harmony is the best word that I can choose to describe what being in spirit is like. There's, there's a harmony. It's like um, love recognizes love and remembers itself. And anything that is unlike love, I just notice, bring to love, bring it to love when I put it on the altar, and Holy Spirit, either, the Holy Spirit just takes it from there, I don't have to worry what he does with it, (laughs) you know, he's lifted it from me, and um, my atmosphere of existence becomes peaceful again, and happy, and joyous, so. Um, I'm complete. I didn't mean to babble on so much. I'm complete. Oh, Lana, that wasn't babbling at all. Just just perfect illustration of the difference between the thought system of truth and the ego thought system. Thank you. As beautiful as a babbling breath, Lana. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, guys. Anna, thank, thank you so much. You really speak the language of my heart. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Patricia here saying, yes, I think of you that way too, that, that babbling brook. Thank you. And that word, harmony. Oh. <gasps> As soon as you said that, I got this kind of wonderful light and giggles of, you know, those really strong symphonies, you know, exquisite music, harmony in whatever's happening. It can be very wild. There is harmony. And that standing back with that 99% mystery of what is, that liquid nature and harmony. Beautiful, beautiful words. Thank you, Lana. Oh, thank you, Patricia. That was beautiful. Yeah, harmony is kind of the benchmark. It's am I in harmony with myself? 
or has something entered my awareness that is disrupting that? And and that's all I need to notice. You know, I don't have to do anything else. I have to just say, oh, something showed up, a thought, a feeling, and it's calling for love. So I take it to love. I take it to the altar of love. And the Holy Spirit transmutes it into love. And then harmony comes back. It's restored. I'm complete again. Thanks, guys. Good morning, Um, I was reminded this morning um, how familiarly I used the word love. And what really caused me to think about it was got a call from my brother that one of my nieces had, way I put it, left her body this morning, uh, early this morning. And I had this image of her as love. She was just a very sweet expression of love. And as I thought about that, I thought about how I've always connected her to her body. And I realized this morning how limiting that is for her and for me. Because the ego would have me believe that 
we're tied irrevocably to the body. And that when the body dies, that's a bad thing. It's a terrible thing. It's a sad thing. And we typically view it as the end of a life. And if that were true for my niece, it would be the end of love. Because even in this world, she was the epitome of love. And I'm so grateful for what the Course is, is telling me. If I accept the Atonement, accept that Neither I, nor my niece, nor anyone else was ever separated from love. And love is eternal. Therefore, my niece is eternal. And she's not separate from God. She's not separate from me. Because I'm not separate from God. And that search that I have been on most of which was led by the ego, seek and do not find. And boy, it was I seeking. And for certain, I did not find until the course found me and taught me that the search I was on was futile. I was never going to find the love, the peace, and the joy that the ego thought system held out to me. but assuredly knew that I would not find it. And so grateful 
that Jesus, uh, Holy Spirit, gave me the words and the thoughts paragraph 40 you will undertake a journey you will undertake a journey because you're not at home in this world took me a while to realize that. And you will search for your home, whether you know where it is or not. I can relate to that. If you believe it is outside of yourself, the search will be futile for you. For many years, I searched outside of myself. I went through all the, 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 the hoops. If you graduate high school, if you graduate college, if you go to graduate school, if you get a law degree, <laughs> everything will be fine. You will be happy. If you had this woman or that woman, you will be happy. It doesn't work. It didn't work. If you believe it is outside of yourself, the search will be futile, for you will be seeking where it is not. You do not know how to look within yourself, for you do not believe your home is there. Clear direction. Look within. It's there. Yet the Holy Spirit knows it for you and he will guide you to your home because that's his mission. Thank God the Holy Spirit was and is there. He was the one that pointed the way to me. And for that brief moment that I allowed myself to be open to his guidance, he presented to me the way out. Um, 
didn't make it easy. But at least I stuck to it. And now I can say that I know the way. I know the way. And I know that I have work to do. Yet the Holy Spirit knows it for me and he will guide me to my home because that is his mission. And as he fulfills his mission, he will teach me my for my mission is the same as his by guiding my brothers home I am but following him that's my mission I'm complete that was so beautiful Harrison thank you uh, Thank you, Harrison. Thank oh, that you, was beautiful, Harrison. Thank you so much. Gives me holy goosebumps. This is Donna, and um, Death is mentioned today. And um, I recently had the experience of driving past cemeteries, which I may have t- mentioned, and the interior voice told me that they know there's no death. And speaking on that, I've heard from four people, my mother, my very best friend, and two neighbors. The neighbors came to thank me for being so so good to them at, 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 at their time in life. So there is no death. There is no death. So um, anyway, I'm complete. Thank you, Donna. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. This is Donna again. I do have to leave today at 11. And in my studies this morning, I called it a prayer, but I got a prayer. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit long, but I think I'm being led to read it, read it. So here we go. I'm calling it a living prayer. And the idea came to me because of the word forgiveness, which I've been trying to understand what that means. All our human 
reactions, resistance, to forgive those who have offended, abused, hurt us in ways small and large must be overcome. We overcome by forgiving ourselves for harboring such thoughts and feelings as grievances, resentments, revenge, and degrees of anger, hate, rage, and judgment. We must see ever horrible behavior, large or small, as simply a call for help. Just genuinely willing to practice this scene is in our consciousness as a call for love, then letting that atmosphere fill our mind as we get pictures of the horrors of illusion and let them go willingly and love all and everything in a situation, in an attitude of love and gratitude. We can withdraw our belief in the world we made, a belief of separation, which is impossible because only love is and it is ever present. And we can recall this truth in any instant we of free will choose. Once again, we are God's beloved in whom he is well pleased. Amen. Oh, I loved hearing that, Donna. Thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> me too. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. This is Donna. I am thankful and grateful that God had opened up this avenue, this door of this phone call, so I could walk beyond where I was. So thank you. I am complete. Oh, boy, me too, Donna. Thank you. Me too. Thank you. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And uh, this lesson, the world I see, has nothing that I want. Uh, and this reading uh, go together so well. And certain sections, um, you know, there's probably a lot of them, but certain sections really uh, lend themselves well to uh, illustrating the two different thought systems. And, and some of them do it so well that um, the contrast is just absolutely unavoidable. And this is one of those. And, and when I come across the section like that, um, I like to divide my page into two parts. One part being um, the error or the ego thought system and the other half representing truth. 
And the reason I like to do that is because um, in doing so, it illustrates perfectly the problem of the split mind. That, I mean, every section and every lesson is designed to help us understand that when the split mind is healed, there are magnificent consequences. It's a sudden jettison. You said it really well, Harrison. Thank God for Holy Spirit in that moment, in that instant. That sudden jettison of um, the mind from the thought system of error to the thought system of truth. And, um, and after that, life becomes um, a different kind of journey. He says, there is no journey but to walk with him. You know, the ego thought system, he wants me to understand in this section, is based entirely on the concept of lack. And everything the ego does is work and striving to somehow uh, fill the void doesn't know what the void is so it doesn't even know what it's striving for but that doesn't keep it from striving 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 in fact the ego thought system is such a striving machine um, I'm reminded of how he said to Helen and Bill you have been chosen because you've demonstrated your allegiance you've demonstrated the ability to be loyal to a thought system even if it was wrong uh, you sure dedicated yourselves to it and that's that's the whole concept of the ego it's a lack machine it's um, constantly striving for it does not know what um, but something and even if it saw love it wouldn't recognize it but for the grace of God and that sudden jettison so everywhere it looks he says it sees its own split mind everywhere it looks it sees its own split mind that's what this section lends itself to so well the ego thought system and the thought system of truth trying to trying to hold on to some of one and some of the other uh, reminds me of um, what they say about people who try to sit on a fence you know um, nothing's right <laughs> and everything's wrong um, it says the atonement is a total commitment a total commitment and so this lesson points to that the world I see has nothing that I want not because he wants me to to disvalue the world not because he sees anything in in it that's worthy of condemnation now that's the ego so God so loved the world that he gave it to his only son he doesn't ask me to hate the world or to unvalue the world he asked me to recognize that because of my own split mind everywhere I look I see distortion it's like a pair of glasses that I put on 
and the glasses serve to um, show me my own split mind. My mind is split between the thought system of the truth. There's something in me, he says in this paragraph, there's something in you, in spite of the ego, that knows you're on a journey because you're not at home here. That something, what he wants me to realize is the ego is nothing more than a part of my mind that I've invested with mistaken beliefs about what I am. And my mistaken beliefs about what I am gives me a pair of glasses that distort everything I see. But with the correction of the atonement, the thought system of truth, the thought system of love, unity, Christ, from that place, I can understand what's truth. That's the healing of my mind, the healing of the split in my mind. I was thinking of a funny story this morning. Um, <laughs> back when, when my whole allegiance was on the ego, you know, I strived so hard. I strived really hard to be perfect, intelligent person, college, grad school, all that stuff. Um, and and a, a group of us, I kind of felt like I was leading a group, a group of us to become expert oncology nurses. And so we went to this conference um, on, on being certified to be an oncology nurse, and we'd studied really hard together. You know, we dedicated ourselves to this this group task that we wanted to accomplish. And so here we are at this conference, and, and we get off the taxi, and we're looking for the place where we're supposed to be. And I said, okay, well, let's take a right. Let's take another right. In the third quarter, let's take another right. In the fourth quarter, let's take another right. And we wound up exactly where we started in the first place. And it's a funny story because direction, it turns out, can only be measured if you have a fixed point. You know, in the Bible, he says, I've separated your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. Mind can't understand that. Ego mind cannot understand that. But it turns out that direction can only be determined in relation to a fixed point. Lana, you write so often about return my mind to God, return my mind to the altar, return my mind to the truth. Free it. In this lesson, he says, free your mind and let it fly. It knows the way. Let it be free for a while. Free your mind. There's something in me that knows that true north, the truth the fixed point, the atonement. And from the fixed point, I understand everything. Because in the fixed point, my mind is healed of its own split. My tiny little fragment of mind that was invested in all my false beliefs about myself is returned to the fixed point. 
And as a consequence of healing the split in my mind, I have an entirely different understanding. He says, when you come back, nothing will be seen exactly as it was seen before. I'm reminded, reminded of the poet, Meister Eckhart, what can God give but experience of himself at the altar? And when my mind's returned to true north, I don't have a problem with anything because I don't have a problem with myself. And that's, that's the nature of this journey. I'm complete. So beautiful. Thank you, Laurie. That was like a song. Thank you so much, Laurie. In so insofar as wanting is concerned, oh man, that word want is so important. The ego wants, God wills. When when I align my wants with the will of God, I can't fail. I just can't fail. Um. Remember Lesson 74, there is no will but God's. He says, if you believe this lesson, if you believe this truly, all your conflict will be gone. All of it. Because all conflict is the notion, arises from the notion that you will something that God does not will. That's that's another perfect description of of the split mind and the reason he he talks so much about perception is because um, I don't understand the extent to which I've invested my perception with truth I just don't understand it and so everything in life after that holy instant where you recognize oh there is a true north everything in life becomes about returning everything to truth you know 
if if um, I'll say it like this: A after that instant of of holy awareness, the holy instant, um, oh, I was lit up for a long, long time. But life intervenes for everybody. You know, here comes life again with this or with that or with the other. And and if God intended that I wouldn't understand him until I left my body, why somebody said we'd all just walk into the sea. But that's not the point. The point is to always be returning, bringing something with me. Always be returning, bringing something with me. And that's the way we accomplish extension uh, from source. And um, it's not an adventure of laying the body down so I could finally understand them with God. It's always bringing someone home with me, bringing something with me. And um, that turns out to be the joy of living and the disappearance of death at the same time, you know. Otherwise, we'd all just walk into the sea. But when he says, yours is the journey of accomplishment, that's the joy of living in the section, what am I, in paragraph four, you know, he says, after you understand the difference between the thought system of truth and the thought system of ego, and commit yourself to the thought system of truth, then you will be calling. You're the call itself. You share the mission of the Holy Spirit. You become the call yourself so that everything can share your joy with you. We call to all our brothers to consummate our joy. So it's not a journey of finishing. It's a journey of walking with him so that we're always bringing home. You know, and that I just can't resist saying that in that holy incident, when I came back to my to my awareness of, of me, um, there was a voice, a lingering voice, a voice that I knew um, that cried out with my own voice and said, I'm home. And for the longest time when I met suffering, I, I thought, I just want to go home. You know, the point of the, of the journey is that we are home and we're bringing everyone home with us. Not so that we can die, but so that we can live. So that we can live truly. You guys speak of harmony, so I, I'm going to close the call with this. From the Book of Qualities. Harmony doesn't seem extraordinary until you've known him for a while. He knows how to be gentle, and such gentleness is surprisingly powerful. The silence around him is lyrical. If I sit in his kitchen in the late afternoon and drink ginger tea, by the time I'm ready to go home, the contradictions in my head are no longer shouting at me and trying to tear each other apart. He gives me space to be my whole self. 
It may be hard to believe it now, but there was a time when Harmony was afraid to leave his house. I'm not sure about the whole story. In college, he was an outstanding athlete. He won many prizes. One summer when he was training intensively, he became dissatisfied with the whole setup. Torn apart inside, he could no longer keep his balance. He alienated many of his friends with his tirades about hypocrisy and ugliness. Frustrated with people, he took long walks through the neighboring countryside. He found sanity in the geometry of the old buildings and started dreaming about how to organize spaces in which he could feel more comfortable, thus stumbling into the profession of architecture through a back door. He's learned how to design rooms which evoke different aspects of ourselves. Although he is a meticulous architect, he's no longer fussy and alienated. He can go anywhere now. Simply by being himself, he alters the current in the field around him. That's what we're called to consummate our joy. That's why we're called. That's what we're here for. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you all thank you, so much. Thank you. Yeah, that was thank a beautiful. You. That was uh, good. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks everybody. Love you. Love guys. you.